What I'd like you to think about as we start is imagine yourself in a situation where you have to remove yourself so that you would not be tempted to sin or be unduly influenced by others. That type of a situation. Can you imagine such a situation, Owen? College, okay. You might you might find yourself in an environment where you have to leave because um, of the influence it might have on you. Okay, so you know, hold that in mind as we're going through these verses. I think that'll um, that'll help a lot. I'm going to read uh, verses seven to. Sorry, chapter 7, verse 15 to 24. That's our first um, portion that we're going to look at this morning. Um, I will, I'm going to pray, and then we can, we can get started. Jesus, I thank you for the time we have this morning to look at your word, to examine it. I pray that you would give us wisdom to understand it, and that as you convict us, as you show us the areas in our heart that we need to change, that we would remember those and that we would actively work to um, grow into your image. In Christ's name, amen. Okay. 15 to 24. I have seen in my fleeting days both the righteous die in his righteousness and the wicked live long in his wickedness. Be not therefore very righteous, and make not yourself too wise, for you will only make yourself to be forsaken. Be not very wicked, and be not foolish, lest you die before your time. It is better that you should lay hold of this, and also not let go thy hand from that, for whoso feareth God will make his way with both. Wisdom alone is greater strength to the wise than many mighty men who have been in the city. For there is not a righteous man upon earth who does good and sins not. Moreover, give not your heart to all the words which are uttered, lest you hear your servant speak evil against you. For your heart knows that oftentimes you also have spoken evil of others. All this I have tried by wisdom. I wished to be wiser, but it was far from me. Far remained what was far, and deep, deep. Okay. So you can see there's a couple of verses there that um, almost sound like he's saying uh, something a little crazy. So, back in 15, I've seen in my fleeting days both the righteous die in his righteousness and the wicked live long in his wickedness. So, in his fleeting days, Koaleth has seen both the righteous, who has the promise of long life, die prematurely, though he consistently maintained his integrity, and the wicked, who's to be cut off suddenly, prolong his days in spite of his persisting in wickedness. And this obviously isn't what we would expect. We would expect the righteous to be rewarded and the wicked punished. And yet, 
Koaleth is reminding us that this doesn't always happen during our time on earth, right? This is one of the um, main things that Ecclesiastes teaches on that really nothing else in the Old Testament uh, broaches. Okay, verse 16. Be not therefore very righteous, and make not yourself too wise, for you will only make yourself to be forsaken. So the experience in verse 15 leads him to his lesson in verse 16 and 17. So this then being the case, uh, namely that the righteous can die in their righteousness and the wicked can live long in their wickedness, um, that being the case, since the fortunes of life are not distributed according to the merits or demerits of man, Coalesce submits that we are not to be too rigid and scrupulous in our religious and moral conduct, which, while it secures no special blessing, will only alienate our friends from us and thus mar our enjoyment of the present. So on one extreme, Coalesce concludes we shouldn't make ourselves too wise or very righteous because we'll cause ourselves to be forsaken. This is one of the um, <clears throat> one of the trickier bits that I was mentioning. Um, at first blush, it sort of sounds rather unorthodox, as if Koaleth were encouraging us to sin or to be wicked sometimes. Well, it's instructive to note that this behavior ends or results in the person making themselves forsaken or isolated. So the idea is that the person is so righteous, they end up isolating themselves. And as a parent, I could see how this might happen, knowing that... Hold on one second. Sort of irritating. Okay. Um, knowing that bad company corrupts good morals, um, our desire is to keep our children away from others who are poorly behaved, who use foul language or argue with their parents or in other ways sin and set a bad example. Um, so in other words, we want to keep them from others who are going to be an unrighteous influence, and this is a good thing to do. Um, this is a truly righteous response because these other children are going to be a corrupting influence. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. It has a corrupting influence on you. However, one could take this too far. If you care so much about righteousness that you isolate yourself from everyone, you've gone too far. I think we can all agree on that. Um, and we would do well to realize that there's a balance between avoiding unrighteous people so as not to be unduly influenced th by them and our being a positive, righteous influence on others. So I would say that this is, or, or I believe that this is what Koaleth is talking about. Don't be so righteous that you make yourself to be forsaken or you isolate yourself from others entirely. Okay? So I think that's at the heart of what he's saying here in, in 16. Um, now, on the other extreme, verse 17, um, Be not very wicked, and be not foolish, lest, thou die, lest you die before your time. Okay, so 
on that other extreme, we shouldn't be too wicked because this can lead to a premature death. Lest we thought verse 16 was advice to go to the other extreme and indulge in sin, Koaleth reminds us of the impact of willful sinning. Uh, for while it's true that a man may live a long life in spite of his wickedness, yet it is also true that, to quote Ginsburg, there are certain laws of nature which cannot be transgressed with impunity. Violation of these will most assuredly be visited with premature death. Some examples of that. Can, you, can anyone think of some examples of that type of um, sinning? that type of wickedness that is going to lead to premature death? Bridget? I mean, I think there's the obvious, like if you're an extreme risk taker or adrenaline junkie, yeah. you can do things that wouldn't really be the wisest. Sure. Yeah. That, and that, that, I mean, that's not necessarily wickedness, but you're right. right. There are things that we do that could, yeah drunkenness that that can lead to making bad decisions or just like being unaware yeah that uh, you know impairs uh, abilities and senses so can lead to premature death yep okay donna this is such a big room <laughs> no it's not it's not amplified in here it's just for the recording that's right i'm yep. sorry forgive me now I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me think a minute. Yeah. Shoot. Premature death because of your behavior. I forgot. Sorry. Okay. Not a problem. Maybe the reason you die early by being so zealous for righteousness is you develop ulcers, and so they kill you. Uh, so he's saying the opposite, though. So one is, hey, um, you shouldn't try to be too right so righteous that you isolate yourself the other is don't forget though if you live wickedly you will suffer a premature death okay so um but you you know okay uh, you could be really anxious and fretful all the time and so you end up stressing yourself out and dying early owen i guess this would be more true in this time uh -huh. like uh, the time that this was written but like disobeying the law in a significant way would lead to death yeah depending on the law yeah i had those are my two thoughts uh like a drug dealer mm -hmm. someone where you're like actively involved in dangerous things that are illegal mm -hmm. there's gonna come a punishment from that a natural in sown risk to that behavior that's gonna lead to your premature death mm -hmm. yep yeah? uh or like a violent criminal mm -hmm. it's just those are some obvious ones. Okay, so um, verse 18. It is better that you should lay hold of this and also not let go your hand from that. For whoso feareth God will make his way with both. So given the need to avoid extremes, which is not, I admit is not the best way to phrase that. I'm not saying this is just be moderate. You know, I, I don't think it's a lesson in moderation. It's more just a learning to balance the two. But I, I'm saying, um, I'm using the term moderation just because it's, it's a quick 
way of uh, expressing it. So, given the need to avoid extremes, Coaleth calls us to find the appropriate balance between the two. The key is that our actions should be governed by fearing God. You could see that in the verse here. It's better that you should lay hold of this and also not let go your hand from that, for whoever fears God will make his way with both. So the idea is, as you're figuring out the best way to approach that situation, you're fearing the Lord throughout that. Um, this is a clear indicator that willfully sinning is not what's in view here, uh, but rather a learning to distinguish good from evil. Uh, verse 19, wisdom alone is greater strength to the wise than many mighty men who have been in the city. So in concluding his lesson of moderation, Coaleth submits that it is wisdom alone which will show itself more powerful than the combined strength of a large army in a beleaguered city. This wisdom that you're pursuing gives strength and is a great protector, and it requires wisdom to learn to distinguish good from evil. Verse 20, For there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and sins not. So the, the reason wisdom is effectual in helping the wise to avoid extremes is that righteousness, the only other thing which might have been thought able to assist in this respect, is impracticable. There's not a single righteous man who can inviolably, inviolably follow its precepts. So in other words, in this process of learning to distinguish good from evil, you're going to sin. It's inevitable, right? It's unavoidable. And... Um, Wisdom will be your guide here. It's not that righteousness is going to help. It'll, it'll be wisdom learning to distinguish those two. Uh, yeah. Say that again. Oh. Yeah. You were talking about uh, staying away from um, situations, um, for instance, uh, parents who aren't, you know, um, kids doing bad things and right. not wanting to be exposed, that right, type right. thing. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, you know, there's times when we, we can't avoid it. So I know that evil usually prevails, but we have to hope that maybe our example can come through also. I mean, I have a client who swears and swears <laughs> you know it's hard to be around her but um i'm hoping somehow i will rub off on her right so i think um i mean we there's times we can't avoid it maybe there's times we can but but i think we have to hope and try to be the stronger influence yep no and that's exactly right if you if you think about it you're, if you always avoided someone who could be a bad influence on you, that would be the person who is concerned so much with righteousness that they're avoiding that, that person 
altogether. They end up isolating themselves. That's the idea. So yes, you're right. If you did that all the time, that's what he's cautioning, cautioning you against. So you're right. That has to be balanced. Our not wanting to become corrupted by other people's behavior has to be balanced with, yes, but we also have an obligation and responsibility to be sharing the gospel, be reaching out to people, being setting a good example, that type of thing. So that's what I believe he's talking about is that balance between those two things. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, verse 21. Moreover, give not your heart to all the words which are uttered, lest you hear your servant speak evil against you. Okay. So don't put too much stock in what others say. They're not a good guide either. Uh, verse 22. For your heart knows that oftentimes you also have spoken evil of others. Uh, so to prove what, he's, what has been said, Koaleth appeals to our own experience. We know that we frequently dwell upon the faults of our neighbors, and it is but natural that they should do the same. If we, therefore, like to be inquisitive, we must expect to hear the same free expression of unpleasant things about ourselves, which we exercise with regard to others and which they would hear if they instituted the same inquiries. So said another way, um, if you ever are alone and thinking about someone else, uh, you know, and talking about them in your mind, you, 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 you wouldn't be saying that if the other person were right in front of you, right? because of the impact on that person. So what he's saying is the more you pry into that and try and hear others who are doing the same, you're going to run into hearing stuff that you don't want to hear. Makes sense. I mean, it's pretty obvious and straightforward. Um, okay, so 23 and 24. All this I have tried by wisdom. I wish to be wiser, but it was far from me. Far remains what was far and deep, deep. So Koalath tries to obtain wisdom so as to fathom and comprehend the mysteries of the Almighty, but in this he fails. There is a limit to man's knowledge and ability, no matter how wise he is. And we can see that also in the next chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 17. I'll read that real quick. It's the same thing as said differently. I then saw that man cannot find out all the doing of God, which is done under the sun. Wherefore, man labors to search for it and cannot find it. And even if the wise man says he understands it, he cannot find it out. I'll read that in the modern English too. Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that he is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. So you can't, 
there are some things, there are some mysteries uh, about how God has made things that you're just not going to know. Um, so God's structure remains, but man's wisdom will not help him to find out why God made it this way. Okay? Let's... Questions on that? Any? Pretty straightforward there. You know, you were talking about um, the evil living longer, and the evil ones living living longer and stuff. And I keep thinking, you know, sometimes why does God let certain people live so long that are so evil? Well, I mean, do they does you just don't give up on them or what? But it's like, what is the purpose? Yeah. So that's what he says: is he searched to find out that purpose and couldn't find it out. So God's made it that way. Part of that is that um, we can't control it. We're not in charge of it. God has his purposes and his plans, right? But we wonder, right? Yeah. Does well, anybody else wonder? <laughs> well, and that's, you're right. That is something that we're, um, why would God do that? And I, he really does, I, in this next section that we're going to look at, start to address that. Because if, it, it, you know, it's sort of inevitable, but if you figure okay, God's made everything the way he's made things. Uh, he's in charge of everything. How does evil come about? You know, how does, how does evil come into the picture? Why, does, why is that allowed? Why does God allow that? Or did he create it? So he does, that's what he looks at next, which I think is um, <clears throat> your question it's creating that question in you, which I think is what he starts to address in the next section. Okay. okay. Uh, and if you other questions come up, we can take it at the end. I think we'll have extra time because I didn't have any questions planned. So maybe I'll <clears throat> try to sneak a couple more in. Okay, so verse, uh, verses 25 to 29... I in my heart turn to know and diligently to examine practical wisdom in order to know the cause of wickedness, vice, and mad folly. And I found the woman more bitter than death. She is nets, her heart snares, and her hands are chains. Whoso is good before God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be caught by her. Behold, what I have found, says Koaleth, taking one thing by one to find the result, and what my soul is still seeking and have not found, one man among a thousand I have found, but a woman among all that number I have not found. Only behold, this have I found, that God made man upright, but they seek out many devices. Okay. So having failed to grasp the remote and profound things of the Lord, Koaleth returns with greater eagerness than ever to the teachings of practical wisdom. His purpose is found after the phrase, in order to. So I'll, I'll read that again. 
verse 25, I in my heart turn to know and diligently to examine practical wisdom in order to know the cause of wickedness, vice, and mad folly. So he is, he wants to find the source or the cause of wickedness, vice, and mad folly. And he's just finished showing that God has made things in a way that man cannot change or alter or even fully understand. And now he seeks to understand where wickedness comes from. If God made everything and man cannot change it, then how do you explain evil? Did God create that too? So let us look briefly at his conclusion in verse 29 um, before before we see what other things he looks at. So, I in my heart turn to know and diligently to examine practical wisdom in order to know the cause of wickedness, vice, and mad folly. Then in verse 29, only behold this I have found, that God made man upright, but they seek out many devices. So God made man upright, but they sought out many devices. This is the source of the wickedness. They are searching out many devices. Devices there is like um, desires or um, indulgences. Probably not the best word to use. Inclinations, let's say. Okay, so desires there. So God made them upright, but instead of staying that way, they seek out their desires and many of them okay <laughs> yeah well, well let's look at it and see what we find huh okay so in his search um to find the source of wickedness he finds so we know what the we know that the source is not the woman Right? And that's why we skip. That's all right. <clears throat> um, the, his goal here is to find the source of wickedness, vice, and mad folly. That's what he's looking for. Okay? We looked at his conclusion, which is that it comes from mankind not remaining upright, but rather seeking their own desires. Okay? <clears throat> That's his ultimate conclusion. In the process, though, he sees some other things, right? He finds some other things. The first thing he mentions is the woman more bitter than death. She is nets, her heart snares, and her hands are chains. Whoever is good before God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be caught by her. Okay, so... In his search to find the source of wickedness, he finds the woman who's more bitter than death. The question sort of unasked is, is, is she the source of that wickedness, right? Because, you you know, thinking it back to the garden, you could say, well, it, you know, it's her fault in some sense, right? Yeah. Right? Okay, so. <clears throat> hmm how much should we use our knowledge of Solomon's life to color our commentary on these passages? If, if the, his life is recorded in scripture and that's what we're talking about, I would 
I would think that could be relevant. Depend. I mean, well, because it, he had thousands of concubines. You know, I think he it was, was a thousand or seven hundred. All right, <laughs> I'll round, round yeah, down, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then we know that they were the ones that kind of moved his heart away from the Lord. Yeah. Can we use those kind of facts to color what he's trying to get at here? I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, did you want to take that further or? So, I, I mean, I can imagine a guy, it sounds like he's writing this in, at the end of his life and he's looking back on kind of how far he's fallen and go, man, my desire for women is the thing that was my downfall. Right. And that's maybe the source of his animosity for the woman in this passage. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's, I want, I'd like to get to that. Let me at least get through what I think the past, what I think the verses are saying, and we're going to have plenty of extra time. So just so that we are on the same page in terms of what I think it's actually saying. Um, but in that's what you're suggesting is totally fair, and I'd like to talk about it. Um, <clears throat> okay. So the sort of the unanswered question is, is this woman the source of wickedness, vice, and folly? <clears throat> so she's more bitter than death. She's nets. Her, hair, her heart snares, and her hands are chains. So she catches you, she entangles you, she traps you and drags you down. She weighs you down and kills your progress. She's like getting stuck in the mud or a beetle pulling another back into the bucket. Right, that's pretty miserable. Um, so to paraphrase, it would be something like, <clears throat> I sought to know why God structured things this way, and I found that life with a bitter woman is worse than death, but God will deliver the righteous from her. So it's God who delivers. Success comes from pleasing God. But this woman, she ensnares the sinner. Is she the source of that wickedness? And then what he finds by examining every small detail is that it is extremely hard. And this is kind of a paraphrase of 26 and 27, which I'll, I'll read very briefly here. Um, Bold, what I've found, says Coleth, taking one thing by one to find the result, and what my soul is still seeking and have not found, one man among a thousand I've found, but a woman among all that number I have not found. So success comes, uh, but this, what he finds then by examining every small detail, that's by... That's what he means by taking one thing by one. He's looked at every small thing that he could. Is that it's extremely hard to find an upright man. One in a thousand he finds, but he has not an upright woman in that same number found. Which is to say, there are not a lot of upright men or women in the world. Right, this wickedness or vice which he's seeking the source of is pervasive. Okay, if you think of you found one man in a thousand, that's not a good number, right? I mean, that's 
that's a lot of people that you'd have to know and then say, you know, only one out of a thousand is actually an upright man. Well, but he doesn't stop looking. He hasn't stopped looking, I guess you could say, for that woman, which might be the downfall of man. I don't know. Um, that was a joke for you, Donna. <laughs> um, but the, the, I guess the point is, though, or what he's trying to say here, is that this wickedness is ubiquitous. It's not, you know, it's all over the place. It's very hard to find upright people. So 29, yeah, I mean, it's not like men should be boasting, oh, we got one in a thousand and yours is, you know, one in 1200 or whatever it is, right? Okay, uh, verse 29, only behold this have I found, that God made man upright, but they seek out many devices. So, again, devices here are desires or inclinations. And what Koalath found in his quest to discover the source of wickedness is that God is not to blame for mankind's wickedness, right? He made them upright, but it is men and women themselves in their own desires and hearts who are the source of the wickedness. God has made mankind upright, but men and women seek after their own desires, which are multifarious. It is mankind who sought out, who actively pursued corruption. God made man upright, they corrupted themselves, is another way of looking at that. Okay? <clears throat> um, would someone uh, read James 1? 13 to 15. I think that'll address uh, the similar similar issue there. Okay, this is more. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Yeah. So again, it's God is not to blame for our sin. He doesn't tempt anyone. He made us in an upright way, and he made mankind in an upright way. But then men and women seek out their own desires, and that is how uh, we're lured and enticed because of the desires in our own heart. Okay. <clears throat> Summary, my, this would be my summary of 25 to 29. Koaleth examines wisdom to find the source of vice and finds a bitter woman. As he examines each thing, he finds only one upright man in a thousand and no women, though he's still looking. What he does find is that mankind's degeneracy has its source in the human heart. God made man upright, but they don't stay there. They wander off searching to satisfy the desires of their heart. Okay, so that is really a, like a, a nice visual way of thinking about um, how you get corrupted. So if you think of a person here, let's say this is, 
I don't know, uprightness. What does man do? God makes them upright, and what do they do? What do men and women do, according to this passage? Yeah, they... Um, yeah, they seek out, they search out, they go, they leave um, after their own desires. <clears throat> so they kind of wander off, you could say, after their own desires. I think this is a really nice picture of what sin really looks like, right? So instead of us staying and doing what we should be doing, we sort of wander off after our own pleasures, after our own desires. And that's what he's saying. What is the source of wickedness and vice and mad folly? This. We, when we wander off after our own desires. Okay? Um, so, the source then is not the woman, I guess is, is the point there. It's this right here, and it's both men and women who do that. It's not just men. So to, to kind of go back to what you're saying, I don't think Solomon is saying the problem is women that have led men astray. It's rather that in men and women's hearts, those desires as they follow those, that's the source of the wickedness. I guess my point was more... <clears throat> What do we do with the knowledge that we have about the author? Do we not use that? Ha, so, okay, so how would you like to use it? First Kings 11. Yeah. And Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter Pharaoh. Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, Hittite women. From the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not intermarriage with them, neither shall they... Um, with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. So that's what... So only seven, 700 wives, yeah, 300 uh, concubines. <clears throat> okay, so... How would you apply that? Like, if I look at that passage, so, yeah. <clears throat> so think about, so my argument is, if Solomon was standing in front of us, and he's like, this is my testimony. Mm -hmm. I was the greatest king that Israel ever had. Mm -hmm. And my desire for the flesh destroyed it all. Right. Listen to my words. Women can be a snare to men's hearts. Yeah. I think that'd be a powerful testimony. And I'm just wondering, are you making it blunt by not going to that knowledge we have? Are you lessening the effect of the yeah. passage? So in that King's, I don't think so is my short answer, but I, um, because I don't think your summary of his lesson is what he's saying. Okay. And the reason is that even in that King's passage, the reason, so he doesn't just say he had a bunch of wives and these women turned his heart away. 
uh, which that's true. But what it also says is that the Lord commanded him not to marry these women from these particular tribes because they will turn your heart after their gods. So it isn't women in some general sense, although that's, you know, there's truth to that, but I don't think that's necessarily what he's talking about. So the, even in that passage, what turned his heart away, he disobeyed the Lord's command, right? Certainly out of a desire to, of his fleshly desire, right? But also that's God said, don't go after these women because this is what's going to happen. So I wouldn't say it's women in general. But I mean, <clears throat> the, a lot of the great men of scripture, their downfall was. Yeah. I mean, was their women, right? Yeah. No, that's true. David, um, Samson. Solomon. Yes, but even Moses, right? Yeah. He had married and his. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're saying, and this is why I think he's, he, he doesn't say, Hey, I went to search out wicked. Like what's the source of wickedness? It's women. Women could be used, right? If you desire them, right? Just like Samson who says to his parents, Hey, go get me this woman. Cause I want her. Yes, she could be a source of downfall, but that the the issue that I think he's bringing up here is that yes, his desire for those women are what led him astray from God. God said, "Don't go after these women." He went after them and they turned his heart away. So yes, they were instrumental in that absolutely, and his desire for them became an idol for him. You could say it that way. That became his God, not obeying the Lord. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'd also say, you know, God has said that the king shouldn't have that many wives. That's another way in which it's like um, he was not obeying what should have happened. Or, sorry, what he should have done. He wasn't obeying the Lord. So does that, I think that answer, like... Women could be instrumental in someone's downfall, but they're not the source of the, the wickedness. It's his own desire in his own heart. I think that's what he's saying in the passage. Owen? So why does he use the analogy of the woman in describing, like the, uh, to describe the sinner being taken hold with the, the snares and the nets and the fretters. Oh, okay. Um, Is there, does that maybe play into why, like the analogy of the woman is used opposed to something else? Or is, does he explain that somewhere? No, I, I think what, what's happening is there is, um, well, let me think about that. I think partly it's because what JP's saying, we all sort of in some sense recognize and see, which is wh why are women usually at this, not usually, but why are so many instances of men falling? Why are women at the center of it? Is it their fault? So he's, he's looking at these things to say, hey, take the worst woman you could think of, right? Is she the source of our wickedness? Is she the source of our vice? No, it's the desire in our heart. 
I, I think that's what it is. He's, he's looking around, he sees one thing. We're all in some ways recognize that. Um, and so he looks at it and says, okay, how do you escape that woman? You know, obeying the Lord. The sinner shall be caught by her. Whoever is good before God shall escape from her. So if we remain upright, follow the Lord's commands, treat women the way we're supposed to treat them, you know, in the sense of this is, you know, there's a whole bunch of things, right? If you don't stay with that and you follow after your own desires, after other women that you shouldn't be following after, that's how, that's the root of the wickedness is your desire in your heart. So he's showing this as like, is this a possible source of the wickedness? Okay. That answer your question okay follow-up questions on that it's not women's finest hour huh I'm thinking about in Proverbs both um, folly and wisdom are referred to like a personified in the feminine form yeah does that I'm just trying to figure out, does that, um, is there anything to take from that in relation to what we're just reading about, both having been written by Solomon, or we're dealing with two different things. This is a literal woman as opposed to just personification. No, this is a woman. Right. Um, I, it, but I, I think what you could take from it is that Solomon is, is Solomon's not saying women are the problem. He's not saying that um, women couldn't be wise or anything like that. Is that uh, so? Um, there, are, there are plenty of instances in Scripture where there, women are instrumental in um, changing the course of history. You could even say for good. Um, so, it's. I think the point is he's not painting all women as like a it, with a ba negative brush right and saying all women are like this and women are the source of the problem i think he's saying the opposite which is hey if if i look around what do i find well it, this horrible woman is she the problem no she's not the problem the problem would be the desire god made man upright and men and women have sought their own desires instead that's the problem but that's, I think, kind of what I'm getting at is women in exactly have an incredible influence then over men. Yeah. I think he's kind of dealing with that issue straight up. He's saying the thing that's worse than death is a woman who's out to get you because yeah. you're so weak to them. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, just going back to the garden again, Eve was deceived and Adam sinned because of that. Yeah. Um. So I don't think the takeaway is women are the problem. I think the takeaway is women have an incredible amount of responsibility as well. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, of course, I can't. How are you going to argue with that? But, yeah, I mean, men and women following their own desires and not obeying the Lord are the problem. So if you think of it from a woman's point of view, they're probably not thinking that uh, they're probably thinking men are the problem to some degree. And I think the issue, well, I don't know. What do you think, Donna? Exa yeah, that's what I was going to say. Okay, was that, go ahead, um, Bridget. 
and vice versa. It's not like we don't struggle with that too. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's just a little different. It's a little different how it plays out. Yeah. But we still have those same emotions and desires that yep. want us to even depend on a man in right. a way that's idolatry. So they, they probably want to lead and take control. And I mean, even back in Genesis, our desire is, he says to Kayla or um, Cain, your desire uh, will be to rule, uh, your desire will be sin. We should probably just read it. Do you want, I don't have my, yeah. It's desire is it, that four is like against you. And it's the exact same verb or it's the exact same expression that he uses in reference to the woman I'll sh is that Genesis 3 if you do well will you not be accepted and if you do not do well sin is scratching at the door its desire is for you but you must rule over it and that is the same word used in the curse where god says to the woman your desire shall be for your husband yeah that desire is the same yeah that or for that against her desire is against you just like sins crouching at the door its desire is for your destruction so women have a like they have their own sin issues to deal with which would be like the opposite again of what god calls them to do so instead of wanting to submit and obey and follow they want to rule and tell you what to do so i would say that, that that's going to be their temptation and they're looking at it like this man is the problem and i think what the reason Sol reason solomon is not saying the women are the problem is that he's recognizing no men and women go astray after their own desires that's where wickedness comes from donna okay <clears throat> the bible says our desire but can we give satan some credit too <laughs> no i mean god doesn't no, we tempt can't. us but satan I, tempts us doesn't he i mean okay so here's here's james that's that's why i brought that up earlier i'll read it one more time let no one say when he's tempted i'm being tempted by god for god cannot tempt uh be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one so here's how temptation happens each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desires or desire then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death satan could be instrumental in that that's what i'm but asking. it's our desire this is exactly what he's saying that leads mm -hmm. us astray and leads that's the source of wickedness it's not satan if you don't desire something satan can't tempt you to go after it it's you are tempted because your desires draw you towards something that's this that's where the root of wickedness is so we can't put any blame on satan then right <laughs> no more than we could put it on women <laughs> right it's it's funny though i mean all it is always the man is is man and it's not ever woman it's just the man is used in the expression for everybody and then when you see the woman it's kind of like okay where'd that come from 
I don't know. Well, so this is how I, if, if I read that verse, instead of using the word man, let me, let me try that. This is what he's saying, okay? I'll, he's saying, God made mankind upright, but men and women seek out many desires or seek out their desires. That makes sense? So God made man and woman, mankind, upright, but it's men and women who seek out their own devices, seek out their own desires. So what, what, what part does Satan play then? But, I mean, he plays, he could... Isn't there something in the Bible that says something about... Okay, so that's, okay. <laughs> yeah, so a, a woman, so Donna, a woman walking down the street wearing an inappropriate outfit, you could say, right? If I sit there and look at her and satisfy that desire, that's coming from me. Do you see what I'm saying? She might be instrumental in me fulfilling that desire or something, but the problem is my desire in my heart, not that woman walking by. I get that, but um, if, if God can't tempt us, why can't we? Why isn't there an opposite there? Why can't we be tempted? Well, I mean, I know it's our own desires, but why can't we? Okay, let me ask you this, Donna. Are you tempted to eat any of the animals that you see dead on the side of the road? Why not? Why can't I tempt you to do that? Just the deer. Why can't I tempt you to do that? Um, why can't Could I say anything that would like tempt you? <clears throat> I guess it's my own knowledge and wisdom. I don't want to eat a, that dead animal. Like it's, you said, maybe a deer. It's what's in your heart. It's what you yeah. desire. So I could tempt you to do something you want to do. I can't tempt you not to do something you don't want to do or that you find repulsive. I, I can't do that. So that's why Satan can't be blamed for it because it's only your desire that draws you to that thing. All he's doing is putting that thing in front of you. You like okay, this? Okay, so that's the part he has then. Yeah, he's so definitely he's instrumental. Us. Just like the woman who's walking down the street, instead of her dressing appropriately and in a modest way, she's presenting a temptation by dressing the way she is. But it's my heart that draws me to that. It's my own desire that draws me to that. And that's where the sin comes in. So Satan doesn't have any part of that temptation? He that does. I ju I'm just saying he does. Just oh, like okay. in the garden, God, Adam gets a punishment, Eve gets a punishment, and Satan gets a punishment. They're all guilty. But I can't blame Satan for my sin. That's I agree. The difference. I agree. But he can present the temptation. Absolutely. Okay. That's Absolutely. what I wanted to know. That I've yeah. got it now. So, so my answer to that usually is, if you see with Jesus casting out demons, you know, he said if something doesn't fill that, it's going to get filled again with demons. So I think demon possession is totally real, and if unless you're spirit-filled, you can absolutely be possessed by a demon. If you're spirit-filled, the only effect that a demon can have on you is external, in someone else. You still have to worry about yourself. Okay, I agree with all 
Okay. Glad we made it through that. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. I appreciate the questions. And it, yep. <laughs> Hopefully it has to do with Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Oh, sorry. That's what he calls himself. That's what Solomon, who's the author, calls himself in the book. That's also the name of the book. So it's not Ecclesiastes. So in the Hebrew, it's, the, it's Koaleth. And that's what he calls himself as the author. So we're just calling, we're just, that's his name. Okay. Yeah. But it is Solomon. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, sorry, I'm not. There's no other author other than the Spirit. <clears throat> well, thank you guys. Appreciate the questions.